0: Um, ladies, just in case we're not um, at 11:30, we may have someone come in. They're going to work on the alarm system because uh, it keeps going off. And they were asked to not come in till between 10 and 11:30. Well, I guess they didn't realize that we sometimes go till quarter of as we pray. But just if if they come in around 11:30, that's what's going on. And just say in Jesus' name, Amen and uh, and go out and get some refreshments while they do their work. Okay, we finished with Paul's letter to the church in uh, his first letter in Thessalonica, that, he, uh, he, that church that he wrote to that he had begun on his second missionary journey. He had a heart for these new believers. He wanted to go and visit them and see them, but we know that he was restrained from doing that. The door was closed, so he sent Timothy, Timothy came back with a good report, but he evidently came back with a couple of issues that Paul wanted to clear up. So he sent his first letter to reassure them about the Lord coming for his church. Most of us know it by the rapture, the, the being caught up together with them. The dead in Christ come with him. Those that are still living will be caught up together with them. Um, and he wanted to encourage them to press on as they had been doing, but to continue because he knew they were in the in the midst of persecution and Paul certainly knew what it was to be persecuted. Well, the hardship and the persecution was what prompted Paul's second letter to the church in uh, Thessalonica. And he wanted to clear up some confusion because um, we're not really sure why, we'll we'll talk more about this next week, but they were under the impression that this persecution was them being in the midst of the great tribulation and God's wrath being poured out on them. So for this uh, first chapter in the second uh, book of Thess- Thessalonians, uh, there's three areas that um, Paul said they were doing great. And there's three areas that we need to follow their example, and we need to be doing great as well. They were growing, growing in faith, they were abounding in love, and they were being patient in tribulation. So the first one, they were growing in faith. As we read in verse 3, Paul tells them how they, meaning Paul, Timothy, and Silas, gave thanks to God for the believers in Thessalonica, because he said, your faith grows exceedingly he was so thankful that they were truly born again and they were growing in their faith what and they weren't just growing but they were growing exceedingly they were increasing in faith increasing in their trust in the lord which is really what faith comes down to right faith is trust in the lord trust in the lord first for our salvation we're trusting that he completed the work on the cross, paying for our sin, rising from the grave, and giving us new life. And we trust in the Lord. We have faith in the Lord for our day-to-day living and those things that we experience and encounter on a daily basis. And then we put our faith or trust in knowing we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. Our complete future is in the Lord's hands, and we're going to spend uh, the rest of not only this earthly life that we have, but for all of eternity is gonna be spent with the Lord. And we base all of that on our faith. We believe that, we trust in the Lord for that. Now, any pastor or Christian leader is gonna be grateful to the Lord when they see believers growing in the Lord, growing in their faith and trusting in the Lord. especially if they know those believers are going through hard times, difficult times, being persecuted or the tribulation that they're dealing with. When we hear of believers in other countries that are suffering imprisonment, or we've known of mass exoduses from some of those Middle Eastern countries where they're they're being persecuted, put to death uh, for just being a Christian and they're not denying the Lord, they're not giving in to that persecution, Instead, they're leaving their homes and life behind so that they can continue to be free to live as a Christian. And sometimes as we we rejoice that they're standing strong, we pray for them to remain strong and be protected. But we also think, or at least I do, gee, I don't know if I could go through what they're going through. I don't know if I could handle it with as much faith and determination. How would I hold up if I faced that? Well, when we think about Corrie Ten Boom and how she and what her sister experienced in the concentration camps and how she was able to forgive her jailer, we wonder, could I do that? If I was faced with the man who had been so horrible and and just such a horrible part of my life, would I be able to forgive him when I saw him? Well, one thing Corrie Ten Boom taught about that was when you need that extra measure of grace It's not there until you need it. And I think she used the example of when you go to get on a train, you don't pull out your ticket to hand to the conductor until you're ready to board. So you don't need that ticket until right before you're ready to board. When you are faced with the persecution or something horrible, when you just imagine and think, I don't know if I could do it, you don't have the grace at that moment to to know that you could do it. So you do wonder, but when you face it, God's grace is there. His grace is sufficient. And they were holding up under persecution because they had been growing in their faith. So whether we're faced with severe uh, persecution or not, we need to be growing in our faith, in our trust. And certainly as the days that we're living in are growing darker and darker, our faith must also increase. As the darkness is increasing, then our faith must increase so we can stand and withstand more and more of the attacks that will eventually come against Christians more and more here, even in our own country, as we see the the Christians that are really being singled out. So can others say that about you? That your faith grows exceedingly? Well, how does our faith grow? How does your garden grow? Well, how does your faith grow? Well, through knowing the Lord and growing in our knowledge of the Lord. This happens as we spend time in his word and we learn more about his character, his attributes, as we learn more about him, as we learn about those things that please him and that don't please him. And it happens as we experience his faithfulness and we experience him at work in our lives over time. If you look back to when you first became born again and met the Lord, I hope you know him better today than you did then. And I hope you'll know him better tomorrow than you do today because we should be growing in our knowledge of him and as we grow in our knowledge of him we're going to grow in our faith in him because the more you know him the more it's easy to trust him he is completely 100 percent trustworthy and the more you know about him the more you realize that and the more you experience him walking with you through hard times walking with you in good times you learn that he is trustworthy you can put your trust in him. It's silly not to. Our faith also grows as we watch him at work in the lives of other believers. And that's one of the benefits of coming to Bible study. As we get to know other, the, the women and we see what God's doing in their life, hear about what God's doing, then our faith grows as we also watch the Lord at work in their lives. It grows as we pray. It grows as we obey all vital parts of our Christian life where our faith will grow and again faith is basically trust in the Lord it's trusting to rely on him not on self not on man but on the Lord who's faithful even when we're not who changes not even though we change even though our life circumstances change seasons come seasons go but the Lord remains the same he never fails We often make mistakes, we often stumble, we fall, we sin, but God never does. He's perfect in every way. And so uh, he never sins, he never makes a mistake, he never needs to repent or say, I'm sorry, because he's perfect. So he's perfectly trustworthy, and our faith should be growing in him. No matter what is happening in our life, good days, bad days, he's still the king of kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. He's still our soon coming bridegroom. He still is our sovereign God, the great I am, your savior, your best friend. He has an everlasting love for you. He loves you unconditionally, and he always will. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's with you through thick and thin. So the tribulation that the Thessalonians were experiencing was severe. Um, but it was because they were believers. It was not because God's wrath was being poured out on an unbelieving world. That will come, but what they were doing was just because they were wanting to follow the Lord, but evidently they stood their ground. They didn't turn from the Lord or turn away from their faith, but they turned to God, and their faith grew exceedingly. Our needs Uh, Our faith needs to continue to grow as well. So make sure you are growing in faith. Now, Paul also thanked God for them because still in verse three, he continues, the love of every one of you abounds, all abounds toward each other. So that's number two, abounding in love. We need to be abounding in love even as they were abounding in love. They loved each other. They overflowed in love for each other. It wasn't just a little bit of love. It wasn't just to the brim. It overflowed. They abounded in that love. In the Greek, that word means to be more or to increase or super abound or abundant. In Webster's, the only thing Webster's really added was to be plentiful. And when sometimes I think when you think of the opposite of a word, especially words that seem so clear as to what they mean just by hearing the word, when you think of the opposite, it kind of helps give a deeper meaning to it. So what's opposite of abound? What's opposite of overflowing? It's to have less. It's to lessen. It's to decrease. Well, here they were abounding. They were um, abounding in that love, increasing in their love for one another. And that indicates in their care for one another and in a social and moral way. They abounded in love to and for one another. They were going through the same persecution as new believers. They didn't turn on each other when things got tough, but they evidently turned to God and to one another during these difficulties of being a new Christian. And we need to be part of the body because we need one another. We need to be there for one another and stand with one another when our faith is attacked or when our walk with the Lord Um, is attacked or when we grow weak we need to stand strong in the Lord and we need to be there for others that they would stand strong. Jesus said the world would know that we were his disciples if we loved one another. Now a disciple is not just a nominal Christian it's not just a professing Christian is it? A disciple is one who learns from their teacher who learns from their mentor, who sits at their feet and learns and wants to follow their example and walk the way they're walking and do the things that their teacher is doing. That is what a disciple of Jesus Christ is, one who sits at his feet to learn of him, to become more like him, to wanna do the, the things that he did, to follow our leader, Jesus Christ. Well, God's love has been poured out in our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit who's been given to us in his fruit, the fruit he's producing is love. So we can abound in love towards one another as we walk in the Spirit and as we yield to the Spirit and not in the flesh. And then others are going to know we're his by our love for one another. And to me, loving one another is to accept people for who they are in Christ, it's loving the unlovable. We don't all have the same personality, the same background, the same likes and dislikes. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be best friends with everyone in the family of God, but we need to know we are family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ with our Heavenly Father who's brought us into the body. Again, it doesn't mean we accept and condone other believers when they're lukewarm, when they're backsliding, when they're um, making choices that you know are leading them down the wrong path. We have the word of God, and sometimes God will call us to admonish or exhort or rebuke others. And that's in love, and only when the Lord prompts you to do it, in love. But that's part of loving. When you raised your children, if you really loved them, then you didn't let them just get away with anything and everything. You disciplined them because you had a heart of love. You knew what was beneficial for them, and we need to love one another in the body and care. Um, If we see others compromising or going down a a path, it's going to be a path of destruction. So we need to love them, pray for them, reach out to them. Now, we don't have to have a whole lot in common with others in the body, but we have our Savior in common. We have heaven in common. We have the Word of God in common. We have the Holy Spirit in common. We have a common enemy who wants to destroy our witness, who wants to cause us to doubt the love of our Father who wants to ruin our witness and dim our light instead of being brightly shining like that pumpkin was with the light in. We need to let our light shine instead of letting the enemy or circumstances dim our light in this dark world. They went through persecution together and we need to stand united and together in Christ with other believers and not let the enemy divide and conquer persecution should bind the church together. And a few weeks back, we looked at 1 Corinthians 13 and what love is, which we know, you put your name in those verses, what, three to eight? We're not always gonna measure up. You put Jesus' name in, every time he fits that. But we're being made more and more like him. We're being conformed into his image. And the Holy Spirit is producing that love in us That will come forth through us so we need to abound in love for each other you need to ask god how you can love others better how you can walk in love towards those that maybe you just assume when you see them coming go the other way you need to learn to love all of those in the body of christ because they are your family so make sure you are abounding in love Now in verse 4, Paul also affirmed the believers in Thessalonica for their patience and faith in all of their persecutions and tribulations that they were enduring. So number three is we need to be being patient in tribulation. Their persecution and tribulation was bad enough, evidently, for them to be under the impression that they were experiencing the great tribulation, that they thought... um, Was occurring. But Paul wanted to acknowledge that yes, they were enduring persecution, but it was not the great tribulation. That they were going through difficult days because of being believers, but they were not experiencing God's wrath that is coming to on, it will come on an unbelieving world and those who have rejected Him and His Son. Persecution means to pursue in such a way as to injure or afflict. It's to cause to suffer because of belief. Now, tribulation, now in some translations, the word tribulation is um, written as affliction. Both mean the same thing here. Tribulation or affliction means pressure or trouble. Paul said that they were enduring that persecution, that trouble, that pressure. And not only were they enduring it, but they had patience and faith as they were enduring it. And we need to learn from their example and not only have faith, as we've already talked about, continuing to trust God in the midst of that pressure and trouble, but to be patient while it is happening. Patience here could be translated persevere. We need to persevere. You can endure something as you're going through it, but persevere to me takes on a little deeper meaning. It's like you're, you're, You're pressing through it. You're continuing to go through it. Um, You're not only enduring it, but you're able to persevere in it. They didn't give up. They didn't give in to it. They stood their ground. They resisted that which would come against their faith, which would come against them. And I couldn't help but read and think about James 1.3 in the New Living Translation. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And we're told also in James 1 to to count it all joy when a trial comes our way. Not for the trial itself, but knowing that if we yield and let the Lord work it out, what the trial will produce in our life, which is a greater maturity, which is that endurance and perseverance that we need when God allows us to go through that trial. It's more Christ-likeness, which is what, should be our goal in this life serving the lord and and knowing him and then making him known to others by becoming more like him romans 8 28 we all love that don't we and it, most believers know what that is just hearing the reference that god works all things together for those who love god and are called according to his purpose well to me his purpose is found in verse 29 29 follows verse 28 And that's being conformed into Christ's image, really. It's being made conformable unto his death, and it's becoming more Christ-like. Yes, there's a lot of good that God will work out in our lives, no matter what it is. And he knows it's coming. He's able to work it together. But part of that is we need to die to self and let Christ-likeness come forth as the Lord is conforming us more and more into the image of his Son. I think you had it in your lesson, or will be in this next week, the fiery trial which is to try you. God's the refiner who's purifying his gold and his silver. You're his precious metals, ladies, and he's never gonna let that fire completely destroy you, the fiery trial that we go through, but he's bringing up the impurities in our lives so that he can remove them from our lives. And And a refiner will sit and watch the metal under the fire until he sees his reflection, continuing to bring out the impurities. And that's going to go on in our lives until the Lord calls us home and we are with him face to face. Wiersbe said, Tribulation is the spiritual tool God uses to make us patient. When suffering comes, it will either make us or break us. If we accept the suffering, yield to God's will, and by faith continue to stand true, then the suffering will cause us to grow. If we resist the suffering and complain to God and give up in unbelief, then the suffering will break us and weaken our testimony. So whatever our affliction, our trouble, our trials, our tribulation, or our persecution, we need to endure it with patience. We need to persevere. We need to press through it with our eyes on the Lord, with our eyes on the goal of being with Christ one day and trusting that he's using it in our lives to make us more like His son so that others can come to know Jesus as well. So make sure you're being patient in tribulation. So ladies, let's follow the example of these believers by growing in our faith, abounding in our love, and being patient in our tribulation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that um, it does guide us and it shows us what to do, what not to do. And thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that helps us to understand your word, and that is working in our lives, enabling us, empowering us to walk in obedience. So Lord, have your way uh, with each of us, Lord, as we're learning these things, as we study your word. Thank you for the freedom we have to open your Bible. Lord, to, we, we can have many Bibles in our home, but Lord, we don't want them to be dust collectors. So help us to open them, to read, to know and to obey, Lord, that you could use us in these last days to shine brighter and brighter as the world grows darker and darker. So, Lord, I pray you bless the discussion groups, Lord, as the women share with one another the things you've been ministering to them. So have your way, Lord, and thank you again for being here with us and allowing us to be here with you. In Jesus' name, amen.